Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. So, Alan and I just walked into our local comic shop. And we, well, he's doing the talking. I want to hang back. He is picking up pre-ordered copies of Saga 55. I'm so excited. Out of curiosity, did I actually need to pre-order this? Did you guys sell out of copies today? Um, we have not sold out, but we definitely have sold way more than we anticipated. Oh. So it's probably a good thing. Sweet. Thank you so much. Three and a half years in the making. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. All right, Abu. Saga issue 55. Issue 55. I I cannot believe that it's finally here. Oh, my gosh. It is. Yeah, no, it's huge. It's a large issue. It's like a double-sized issue. I just flipped to a page with some tits. So, (laughs) Uh, (laughs) yep. Honestly, we should, like, sit sit and read this at home real quick. We're going to go home, devour these double-sized issues that we have just picked up. And then get on Discord, record okay. like a 30-minute, what Got did it. we just read? Okay. Welcome to a very special episode of Hazel's Story, an epic saga podcast. On this show, we dive deep into the panels and pages of Brian K. Vaughn and Fiona Staples' comic book masterpiece, unpacking the amazing characters, themes, and weirdness in this grand space opera. My name's Abu. And I'm Alan. And Alan, today's the day. Oh my God, it's the day. I can't, like, I I have literally been thinking about this since (laughs) I first read the news back in, like, I don't know, October sometime, end of summer. And, like, the news of what happened today was the thing that prompted you and I to even start this show, right? Like, we found out Saga was coming back. And we were like, oh, we should do a Saga podcast. And here we are. Here we are. January 26th, 2022, up till now, everything that we've done on this show has been read-along episodes, going through the chapters from the beginning, but today we're doing something totally different, and we're going to talk about new saga, Finally, the Time Has Come. That's right. As you may have heard in that cold open to this episode, Alan, you and I just a short time ago went to St. Mark's Comics in Brooklyn and picked up our copies of Chapter 55. We came home, we just read them. And now here we are on mic about to share our instant reactions. And just a shout out to local comic book shops that barely survived the lockdowns of the pandemic. They managed to stick around. So support your local comic book shops. Just a little PSA. If you've read Saga only in the trade paperbacks up till now that you've ordered online, maybe these chapters are going to start coming out chapter by chapter at your local comic book shop, which is a wonderful place to go. So maybe think about going and visiting your local comic book shop, picking up the chapters, issues one by one as they come out. It's really an amazing place. Like St. Mark's Comics is delightful. Every time I walk back into a comic book shop, it's my happy place. Definitely, 100%. Now, before we dive into chapter 55 today, we got to say this up front. Spoiler warning. This is chapter 55 in an ongoing story. That means if you are still reading along with us, 
in the early chapters of Saga. If you have not read all of the previous 54 chapters and are caught up with the story, hit stop. Do not continue listening. We are going to be talking spoilers. Seriously, if you're not current on the story, if you've not read all the way through all the chapters that have been published, including chapter 55 that just came out, Mm -hmm. skip this episode. This is your final warning. We're going to do our next read-along episode covering chapters 10 to 12 soon enough. So wait for that one and then come back to this when you're fully caught up. Absolutely. And of course, we want to hear what you think as well. We're going to be gushing over the next 20 to 30 minutes about this chapter, but please reach out to us. Hazelsstorypodcast at gmail.com is the place where you can get in touch with us, share your own reactions to the new chapter, and send your theories as we all dive back into this story that we love so much together over these next couple of months and years. Hazelsstorypodcast at gmail.com. Absolutely. So this is by no means going to be our usual deep dive, but instead just our instant reaction and takeaways to this new chapter that we've both just read minutes ago. Mm -hmm. Expect the conversation to be very much less organized, a little more geeky probably, because again, I've been waiting three and a half (laughs) years for this, uh, and we're going to be excited. Yeah, definitely. Okay, well, we each picked two things that we wanted to talk about. So Alan, kick it off for us. What's the first thing you want to talk about this chapter? The first thing I want to talk about is literally the first thing in this new chapter that as soon as I flipped the page and my eyes hit the words, the first words is a perfect, brilliant continuity with the original first chapter of the story. Mm -hmm. The original first chapter of the story starts with the one line of this is how an idea becomes real from chapter one, which we figure out eventually that's Hazel doing narration. And in this chapter, it starts with this is how an idea survives, which Yeah. With everything that happened in the last chapter, chapter 54, where, again, spoiler alert, I'm about to spoil some stuff. So if you're still listening and you don't know, stop. (laughs) What happens in chapter 54 with major characters dying, including Marco? Marco dies in chapter 54, which I have to admit, I was holding out a little hope that maybe that wasn't real and that there'd be some sort of like (laughs) thing in chapter 55 where it was like, JK, he's not dead. But Brian K. Vaughan is a better storyteller than that. So real stakes, characters really die. A big theme for this is going to be like, well, how, how does this story, how does this idea of this union, this family survive without one of its core members? And th- you get the answer in the very next line from Brian K. Vaughan, which is, it grows and changes often beyond the intentions of its creators, which yeah. is stirring and wonderful. But also I interpret it as being this sort of meta commentary on Saga itself. Oh, yeah. That saga as a story and as a book has grown so far beyond anything that the creators could have possibly thought that it would grow to become that it's taken on sort of a life of its own. And We'll talk about this a little more later, but at the very end of this chapter 55, Brian K. Vaughan has a letter that he writes to the fans of this book. And one of the things he talks about is how there are now more than 7 million editions of Saga that have been sold around the globe in over 20 different languages, which for a comic book is an astounding number of different editions to sell, and that it's been translated into so many languages. So this book has taken on a life of its own. And that's what I immediately was hit with in the first two pages. And so I was just like beyond, 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 just like joyful. And then the second thing that I just wanted to talk about briefly was, you know, something that's been anticipated and with that huge fan base that has grown, you know, just like how Star Wars with the later (laughs) films that came out, there's some fan service here, including 
a little fake out that happens. So the first thing that happens is we get this character who we learn their name is Bombazine. They're on the cover of the issue standing next to Alana with Hazel below, sort of mirroring that family structure that was Marco, Alana, and Hazel. And when we're first introduced to Bombazine, he says to somebody on the street that he's Alana's husband, which is like, record scratch, Alana's remarried. Yeah. But then like two lines later, Alana snaps back at him to say, don't ever lie and say that you're my husband. And so you're like, oh, that was like a con where he was trying to protect her. And then there's just all of these other callbacks. You get the the weird flaming like head and hands cops that are from, I don't even remember when in the story, <laughs> yeah. it's somewhere in the yeah. middle chapters. Those guys come back and you're like, okay, really in this universe, all the cops just have flaming heads and hands, I guess. Cool. And also are kind of corrupt. Love that. Love it. And then the ultimate fan service, of course, is shipping characters, right? So that's this this sexy tension between the Will and Gwendolyn that goes all through the previous 54 chapters, you know, I was wondering what's going to happen with that. Right here in this <laughs> you chapter. You got your answer. <laughs> we get it in like uh, some pretty like... Uh, pretty graphic, graphic detail, I'd graphic, say. Yeah, over the course of like detail. three whole pages. Yeah, they just like, the Will shows up and they just go to town in a number of positions, <laughs> in a number of orientations to an extent where I also thought that this was going to be another fake out. Like I thought it was going to be like, and then it would be like when the will thought that the stock had come back to life, yeah. that it was going to be just pretend he didn't actually like have sex with Gwendolyn. I, and then it was like, Oh no, that's real. All right, let's go with it. I just, I, I'm done. I, those are, those are my reactions. What did you think Abu? That's amazing. I love it. I love it. I do want to ask you actually with the Bombazine character, he says, I'm her husband on this, on the last panel of the page and you have to actually physically turn the page yep to find out which you know brian gave on fiona staples how dare you like fake me out like that did you fall for it because part of my me like my instant reaction was no alana would never no i'd refuse to believe this oh so i totally did like i was totally like oh, oh. i mean it's been because it sets up that three years have passed and i was like three years you know single parent yeah this war-torn universe is hard I like that I thought the sex scene was fake, but it was real. But you thought that the, you didn't fall for the fake husband thing. So I guess maybe. Yeah, yeah. So fun. I love it. I love it so much. I, I agree with your points. And in fact, I'm really glad you brought up sort of the meta commentary about how ideas survive with the with the opening narration from Hazel. Because I hadn't considered that as Brian giving us a little meta narrative about Saga itself. But now that you say it out loud, yeah, of course. That's exactly what he's saying. This is how his little idea from a decade ago survives and continues in these next chapters that we're finally getting. So cool. So the two things that I wanted to really quickly touch on is first, just a feeling. And that feeling is like being hugged by a thing I didn't know I missed so much <laughs> these last three years. Like it, I, it, it's, there's this feeling of warmth and comfort flipping through these pages and revisiting these characters that I've been away from for years and years, but I've always felt so deeply attached to. And in addition to that, it, it feels so much like Saga, right? Like with such a big gap, you run the risk of the story feeling entirely different because none of us are the same people we were three and a half years ago. Totally. And that includes Brian, that includes Fiona or, or even 10 years ago when they started this, right? Like exactly. they, like they started exactly. writing Saga over a decade ago, but it still feels directly connected to even that very, very first chapter from all the way back then. Absolutely. And that comes through in everything from 
the writing from the things we love about sagas so much, the gore, the sex, the vulgar language, but also the family and love and just heart at the core of this story that's always been there. That is still here too. And it just felt so good to come back to a story that I have loved so much and know I will love for the next couple of years as we finish this journey together. It's going to be awesome and I can't wait. Also, this side note, this continues to be a story I cannot read in public on the train because (laughs) I run the risk of flipping to a full frontal shot of boobs or a three-page sex scene between the Will and Gwendolyn. So I have to continue to read this in the private privacy of my room. And yeah, it's it's not even just like a graphic sex scene. It's like a graphic sex scene where like hands on dick, like it's very, yeah. very, it's, it's, it, it's almost like hentai-esque. Like not that I've ever read yeah. hentai before, but you know what I mean. Right, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you for that, Brian and Fiona. Love it. The second thing I wanted to touch on is, as you mentioned, Brian's letter at the end. In it, he confirmed for us that he has outlined the story up through chapter 108, which is very cool to hear. And if they commit to a monthly release schedule, a little bit of napkin math here, that's roughly four more years of Saga that we might be gearing up for, which is exciting. I cannot wait. At a monthly pace, we're going to be diving back into this story. I'll get to actually experience this story much like you did back in the day when it actually first came out. Cliffhangers and all. So this is actually wild. I read in an interview during the hiatus is that it was always planned to be a 108 chapter story told in six chapter arcs. Like that's why it's been plotted that way since the beginning. That's why each volume has six chapters. So there was always going to be 108 chapters. And that's why they put it on hiatus at chapter 54 because that was the halfway point. Wow. Okay. So the master planning that was necessary for all of this (laughs) is like beyond like George R. R. Martin, anything, like anything that could possibly have been done with like the sort of epic storytellers of our age. No, Brian and Fiona had this all in their back pocket since literally over a decade ago. And yeah, we are going to get to see it unfurl month by month, which, you know, get get ready to be a little annoyed, but it's going to be great. (laughs) It's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. There is one quote I want to read from Brian's letter because reading through the letter, I actually got a little emotional. And this part in particular hit me. He writes, quote, when I wrote this first letter column roughly 10 years ago, I said that most new comics didn't have audiences. They have families, small groups of diverse people who band together to help keep alive some weird thing that matters only to them. That got me. I was like, oh, my God, he's so right. And and it's it's that like that idea, I think, extends so far beyond even comic books to all of the things that people like you and I, and I think the broader range of, of people are now really, really loving about culture and that the internet has given us access to. And all of the topics that we talk about in our other lore party shows, these are things where there is a community that is built around some kind of story or characters or video game or whatever it is. You're part of a small group of diverse people who band together to keep alive some weird thing that matters only to you. Yeah. And I, I love yeah. that this is a creator that knows that and is clearly engaged with that. I mean, if you follow Brian K. Vaughn on Instagram, you know that he will reshare almost anything that you tag him in. It's been amazing to see throughout today how he's done that with everybody being super excited about the release of New Saga. If you look on the Lore Party Instagram, Abu and I politely asked the comic book shop 
clerk at the shop we went to to take a photo of us standing in front of the shop holding our saga issues. She was very kind. If you wonder what we look like, you can go look on the Lore Party Instagram. We'll put that photo up. <laughs> Definitely. Okay, Alan, let's wrap up. I know we've only read the comic one time so far. This is by no means a deep dive commitment to this chapter. But I'm curious, after just one read through, do you have a favorite panel yet? Did anything stick out to you? So I've talked a lot on this podcast about how I relate to Hazel as a young kid because I have a young daughter who is four and a half. And the panel where Hazel starts dancing to the song that she put on, Assassins of Sadness by a band called Fartbox, which is delightful. (laughs) Uh, But there's one specific panel. It's the top right panel after she puts the song on where her arms are up in one corner and her head is down. And it just reminds me so much of the way that my daughter and I think most children dance, which is like the most literal personification of that, like dance, like nobody's watching you. And that's just how kids dance. And I fucking love it. I love it so much. Yeah. I love it when my daughter does it. I love it when any kid does it because they just are having so much fun. Yeah. I loved that scene. So gorgeous. We haven't even talked about Squire. Ah, so much to talk about. So much. All right. What about you, Abu? We got to finish up this. Uh, we got to finish this up. So what was your favorite panel from this issue? So my favorite panel, at least on first read, was that full page spread of the rocket ship tree. When Hazel is returning after her little excursion out in the city, something about the way that panel is drawn and colored just felt so cozy to me. The soft yellow lighting as the sun is setting in the background, that car parked out front. It said so much without saying anything at all. Fiona is a master with just this single image. I think she conveyed to all of us what that tree represents to Hazel and her family. This cozy place that they all call home. I loved it. Yeah, it's truly just amazing the little tiny worlds and also the big epic worlds, right? Because a couple pages later, you get like the vastness of space and this pirate ship that they run into that literally looks like a giant, giant skull. And so it's like these little tiny, very accessible (laughs) details and then these giant cosmic scale things that are both rendered in this like incredibly wonderful way by Fiona Staples. For sure. All right, very quickly, do you have a favorite quote from this chapter? I do, and it's actually a quote that is in blue, in the language blue, which, again, in a previous uh, podcast I had figured out is actually just Esperanto. Um, And it's the two lines that get said by what is, in effect, a magic suicide bomber uh, out in the marketplace in the very first sequence of the book. So did you look up, did you translate what those two phrases, those two sentences are that the bomber says? I did not translate. What do they say? So I looked it up. Um, So this person comes down into the marketplace. This is obviously somebody who is from Reef, but she's had her horns sawn off. So has suffered some mm-hmm. terrible trauma, potentially torture, whatever, something awful. So she says in Esperanto, mi no plus coleras, mi nor sentas, min maleplena, which means I'm not angry anymore. I'm just empty. Oh my gosh. And then of course she detonates her magic crystal bomb suicide vest that she's wearing around her. And it just struck this amazing chord. And I glossed over it on first read, but then I went back and translated it. And I was just like the empathy for what someone must have or must have suffered to be able to become a suicide bomber. Just the way that Brian K. Vaughn can create empathy even for a character like that. And just through in another language in Esperanto. It just, it, yeah. it, it, it's, you know, it's like, it's something you have to dig for as a reader to go translate it in Google Translate, but then just it hit me so hard. Yeah, yeah, that, that scene was powerful. And then for you, Abu, what, what, what lines from this book really stuck out? Uh, 
Mine's a real quick one. This line made me laugh out loud reading just now. It's that panel where the Will is claiming that he has never been interested in sleeping with Gwendolyn. And Lying Cat pops into the frame and just screams, lying. (laughs) I loved the way that shot was framed and how Lion Cat is almost breaking the fourth wall and looking right at us, the reader. (laughs) It's so well done. And I just want to give props to Brian for not only creating a character like Lion Cat that is so interesting as a sidekick, but also not overdoing it, right? That lying joke could get old real quick if it's done too much. Right. But Brian saves it for just these really punchy moments that have the most effect. Like here, when the will says, I, no, no, I never wanted to sleep with you. No. And it's, it, yeah, it's it's only like let loose so effectively in moments like that. It could become a catchphrase, almost overused, but just so brilliant. Yeah. So good. Ah, I'm so excited. Saga's back, Alan. We're in it now. We are indeed in it now. Okay, well, stay tuned. We'll be back with our regular deep dive episode next week for chapters 10, 11, and 12. And as always, thank you for listening. Remember, podcasts are fragile things, but just like Alana and Marco up through chapter 54 (laughs) and Hazel, we'll all just keep on exploring and learning together. R.I.P. Marco, who is really dead. R.I.P. Thank you.